Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus <laughs> The band are back together and we've got much to natter about today. We'll be tackling the glazer-shaped elephant in the room and recognising the efforts of the world's greatest fans at Old Trafford last Saturday. Mason Greenwood, he's preparing for life without United following a shambolic period for the club. Harry Maguire, will he stay? Will he go? And Luke Shaw, sadly sidelined. And we'll be looking at some of the names being lined up to stand in, as well as the new faces at the club. Just also the small matter of the football that's being played and the results to date. That and more on your latest episode of the Streddycast. It is August 2023 and the Glazers are still sinking their claws into Manchester United. Now, despite several months of reports of an impending sale and a variety of supporter protests, such as events at Old Trafford on Saturday, we appear no closer to any form of resolution. Brian, you were at the ground Saturday. How did it feel before, during and after? Um, before, definitely a hot topic. Something many people were discussing in the bars and that around the ground. I suppose mostly the discussion was around why have they not gone yet? Are they going to go? Is there actually intent to sell or not? Um, which obviously none of us really know the answer to. It's probably all behind NDAs and whatnot or NDCs, but... During the game itself, feverish chanting. You could feel the venom behind the chants given in the crowd. And post-game, a 60-minute sit-in protest, which is the first of its type to be attempted in Old Trafford, which I think was a was a success, definitely. Um, I was obviously, I stay behind myself. There was a couple of thousand. How many exactly? It's hard to picture, pinpoint or picture from videos and pictures. It's, it's People could say 5,000, 10,000, but there was definitely a very, very strong crowd. The majority of that crowd was in the TRA section. Um, it was noisy, it was visual, and it was good. It was needed. It generated massive media traction, which is obviously the 
the end result in this, that we can get as many eyes looking at this as we possibly can. Dale, something like this, beneficial for the club and moving forward, and do we need to see more of it? Yeah, I think the sitting was obviously the first of its kind, as Brian said, and it was a success. I think looking at, I obviously wasn't there at the weekend, but the uh, looking at the, the pictures and that, it was fantastic to see so many different ages, you know, old reds, young reds, all ages, different genders, the whole lot everyone coming together at the very end and getting into the Stratford end. I thought that footage on Match of the Day was fantastic because the game obviously wasn't televised. So Match of the Day kind of showed before, uh, or as the, the sitting was beginning, they were showing the fans from different stands entering the Stratford end. And obviously the stewards, they were not going to have a, not going to put a stand up um, on, on Saturday. It'd be a very brave thing to do. But ultimately as well, it was peaceful. And, you know, going forward, you're asking, can these continue? Well, they should. I think, you know, the 1958 have have managed to gain momentum behind them um, with these protests. And at the very least, you know, I think looking on social media, people seem to be asking them, what's the next step? And what's the next step? And there's only so much that they can do and what United fans can do in these protests as we, as we get together and, and show anger against the owners. But I think more of this will definitely make it unco- make life uncomfortable for them and make life uncomfortable for people at the club. You think about the stewards that have a set time that they usually go home after the games. You like after a game you usually find maybe five or ten minutes people are let to take photos of where they are in the stand. But stewards will quickly come over and say, right lads, um time to leave. If these kind of protests continue, they could start getting a bit pissed off with things. And I think more people at United are pissed off right now is if it's triggering people continue it no I couldn't agree more that's that's actually a brilliant point about the staff because if you can cog away at those ones that people don't actually think about I mean every little bit adds up and I mean I thought it was pretty amusing recently when the reports came out about Cardiff's owner and his uh, apparent view of United being uh, imminently sold as we are approaching September so why do you think we're any closer to any resolution on this or the longer that it drags on does it seem less practical just on the the owner you mentioned there, the interest. A lot of people seem to be dismissing what he said as complete gobbledygook because he he kind of put out a figure out there out of thin air. But it's just interesting that he was involved with the takeover when the Glazers came in in two thousand and five. And as Brian mentioned, it's hard to know what's going on with NDAs, but if anyone does have an inkling, it will be people that are close to that family. And the Glazer family, and he's obviously someone with his links. And I just wouldn't be dismissing what he what he said. Um, I think he probably does have some contacts. I mean, he's got nothing to gain from it, does he? No, he doesn't have anything to gain from it. And I think he's probably asked the question because of who he is. And he turned the quote out, and then the English media then jumped on it and made it probably bigger than what it was, um, which has been a, a, a team throughout this because... You look at the way this has been reported um, with NDAs and it, it seems that there's sections of the of the journalist kind of circle um, and they're all hearing different things and they're all sure of what they're reporting. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Mm. I, do, I do think we're getting to an end point, though, because with the whole questions whether they can remain or not, I don't see a future for them. They haven't got the money to sustain this. What they've done for the fifth, last 15 or 18 years, they can continue to do it. The money is, is running out. They need investment one way or other. Um, so I'm not worried about that, but maybe I'm worried about the way they're dragging it out because we already know that family have a, 
a neck like a jockey's bollocks in the sense of trying to get more money out of things. And one morning I get the inkling that they could be telling one party will sell this for for six billion, then it's seven billion. And then they when they get the seven billion offer, they might turn around and say, Well, we want nine billion. Um so there's probably a bit of a, a tug of war going on there as well. Anything that you can do to make life anyway difficult for these people can only enhance the prospects of them moving on. And following last week's confirmation from Chief Executive Richard Arnold that one-time star boy Mason Greenwood will now look to reignite his career outside of Manchester, following a widely reported U-turn by the club and a backlash from supporters and staff alike. Brian, clearly the correct decision taken despite the length of time that it took. A decision that followed a snakes and ladders path to get there, something that we all kind of wanted the end result to be, I suppose, but... Although there was quite a lot of animosity on the decision, depending who you asked and where where you asked, I suppose. Social media can give you two different sides of every coin. Um, I think most people will agree it was the right decision. Should we have got there a lot quicker? Yes. Did they need that time or the length of time that they took to make the decision? I don't think so. Was the original statement put out the right statement? No, it was laughable. It was spat back in their faces by the fans, which led to what we're, we're told. We're, we're led to believe it, it re- resulted in a U-turn by the club immediately. And then they came out with their final statement, which I thought was worded horrifically. But the end result was almost what we should have got. Um, I thought it would have been a contract termination, to be honest with you, or something like that. But I suppose the club are still aiming to get or to recoup some sort of a fee or figure for the player by keeping him on the books as such, but not with the club. So it's either going to be a loan or, or, a, or a transfer. But I can understand also why the club, as a business, is trying to recoup some sort of a transfer for him. I mean, they've lost what one time was probably a £100 million player, which no longer is. So in one sense, business-wise, it's understandable. Moral-wise, or, or whatever way you want to look at it, it's questionable. But as long as the end result is he doesn't play for us again, I'm happy. Yeah, and I suppose on that business line, I think one of the biggest points on this that's really, really hit a damper with the club, the fact that he's a homegrown player. Any profits that are received from him in terms of a sale is nothing but pure profit towards financial fair play. And given the scrutiny that is on the club at the moment and the fine line that is being towed with regards to FFP, it has been a major, major kick in the teeth because you said that one-time 100 million player that would have been 100 million of pure profit that would have alleviated, I suppose, a decade of poor dealership in terms of foreign acquisitions that had come in previously. Dale, given now that he is moving away, where would you see a likely destination for him to land to resume his footballing career? Could you look at Saudi or would they distance themselves from that? I don't think he'd have any interest in going there I don't, unless he was, unless that was his like last chance of, of going somewhere. I think it, just on that, I've been looking at the way it's been reported since it's been announced that we are not taking him back, that he will not play for United again. And that's what a lot of us, I think everyone in this podcast, what we wanted, right? We wanted, we didn't want to play for United again. Definitely not. But we knew for some time that he was coming back and the club then, the backlash forced him into a U-turn. Now, that's what everyone wanted. It's what the media pushed for. And it's what we got. Now, their behavior throughout that process was vile. Um, but ultimately, I think there's now sections of the media that whenever a club 
is mentioned are being linked with, with Greenwood. There's almost pressure tactics um, and attempts to stop him from ever playing football again, I would go as far as saying. Now, my opinion was always he should not come back or ever play for Manchester United again. But I don't believe someone's career or his career should end right now. I think I would like nothing more, to be honest, for him to, to, to get a chance to go on and prove that he can become a better person and build a career for himself somewhere else. Because I don't think he doesn't deserve that. I just don't think he ever deserved the platform to play for Manchester United Football Club ever again. Um, and I think United, as, as the biggest football club in England, if not in Europe, had um, a role to play in making a stance. I look at other Premier League clubs in the past year or so. You look at Man City um, with Benjamin Mendy a few years ago. You look at Arsenal last year with um, Thomas Partey. When these investigations and when these accusations were made, the club or investigations began. The clubs didn't suspend those players. Manchester United did it the second he was arrested, the second this came out. Um, and I think that's very important that we did make a stance that way. Um, we can talk about how absolutely appallingly Richard Arnold uh, dealt with the whole thing, which is quite fucking laughable given he wanted mm. to introduce a, 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 no, a strict no dickheads policy when right now he looks like the biggest dickhead in the building. We can all atone to putting words on paper and given the length of time that they had to do this, it certainly could have been worded an awful lot better. But ultimately, I think the majority of supporters, as Brian said, have supported the decision. I think a lot of that depends really on where you uh, call home. But like many decisions beforehand, it was prolonged to an unnecessary level. And moving from that, I can give you 30 million reasons why a number of individuals are pointing the finger at Mr. Harry Maguire and his on-off move to West Ham. Brian, are you surprised that he is still a red I'm absolutely flabbergasted that he's still at the club, if I'm honest. Um, mm. Look, I have I never really went in hard on Harry Maguire over the time over the time of his career, dropping off at the club and losing form and whatever else. Like he's been, he's been absolutely torn to shreds like by the Lions. He's been ripped apart. His form has obviously dropped off. He's not the player he once was. He was a very able centre-half. But like, Jesus Christ, Harry, your time is up. Like, I mean, surely for himself, I mean, forget about the noise in social media. Surely for himself, he sees he's after going from being captain of Manchester United to being stripped of the captaincy, moving down the ranks to third, fourth, fifth choice center half. He's got international tournaments coming up. He's got a career to, to rescue. Does it really boil down to a payment from the club? And is it all about money? Or does he just accept for himself on, on a purely human level and say, look, I don't want to sit in the bench. I don't want to be sitting behind Vic Lindelof and Varane and Martinez and the rest of them. I want to play football. Or does it really boil down to, I want a payment to leave? Can you ever get the fuck out of the club with your payment to leave, mate, please? And behave yourself a small bit for the love and honour of God. You want us to pay you a fortune to go. Do you not want to go to a club that's actually going to want to have you there? Where you play football, where you progress your career. Does it boil down to money? Uh, I don't. I don't buy it. I don't buy the money factor. I know. No, you're right. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Because the thing is, I've seen people defend <laughs> his stance almost and kind of. How can you defend it? No, no. What I'm saying is that when this came out, that his move to West Ham collapsed, 
there was people almost saying, well, well, he kind of has a point. He He's going to be on lesser wages. But what people are ultimately forgetting is That's he's, he's already on. No, but he's already on astronomical fucking wages that he doesn't deserve, that he never deserved. So, like, I'm sorry, but the reality has bit you in the arse where West Ham or any other club in the Premier League that has an interest in you is not going to go anywhere near the wages you're on. But he also needs to understand, like, let's take into account, Harry, you were on them wages when your stock was rising and when your stock was high. Your stock is now in the toilet. Yeah, you can't yeah. demand the same price or the same value of wage because you're not worth that money at the moment. Like You haven't backed it up over the last couple of years. Surely be the God the fellow understands he's not in the top of his game. He's after dropping off the planet. You can't turn around and say, come here, West Ham, I want 200000 a week. Do you, yeah? Come in, no bother. When you may sit in the bench then at United because you're not coming to us. Like, it's, it's, it's common sense. Joking aside, look, he, he, he needs to go for his own sake. He needs to go and reignite his career somewhere else. He's still a good centre-back. He's still a good footballer. He's yeah. not the footballer for us to play in the system we want to play. He's not... I don't think he's mentally strong enough to handle United anymore. Um, the game... Or the stature of the club and the stature of the role he had, which I thought was a crazy decision to make him captain in the first place, it got to him. He lost his form. It's time to leave the club and move on for himself and for us. It's a circus and a saga that none of us need, and surely not himself and his family. So I'd like to see a happy outcome towards the end of the transfer window where he does head off into the sunset and play a decent game. I've always thought he should have gone to Italy. I've always thought he should do a Chris Smalling. It's a game that would suit him better pace-wise and, and tactics-wise. I think he'd flourish over there. But it's just it, it needs to come to an end for everyone, I think. I suppose at this stage, you're looking at a guy who, despite everything that's gone on in Manchester for the last few years, he's remained integral to Gareth Southgate and everything that's gone on at an international level. And generally speaking, when he plays for England, I suppose the general consensus is that he's putting in a good, solid shift and he's a vital cog in that backline. This is a guy, you know, who is 30 years of age. He's going to be 31 in March. So before the end of this season, he's going to be 31 years of age. I wonder how much of it boils down to him looking to play hardball, knowing that we're coming near the end of the transfer deadline and that as he approaches closer to it, somebody like West Ham will look and they'll know that, look, we have a few Bob that we have left over from Declan Rice. We obviously want to recruit and we want to strengthen in various departments. And Harry Maguire is someone who can really, really suit this profile. I think, as you said, Brian, this is a guy who is a very good footballer for a certain type of system. It doesn't. It just doesn't suit a Manchester United system where you're approaching the halfway line and you're expected to turn in a sixpence and be able to make up that pace. We saw what happened to Marcus Rashford, obviously, on Saturday, and this is what you're dealing with when you're playing in a high-profile team. Now, it is worthwhile saying as well that in the last few hours, there's been more speculation coming out about this in that seemingly West Ham have come back to United looking with £30 million. And United are more of a sense that there's maybe an approach of a loan going out there. Now, depending on who you, you you listen to, who you speak to, someone will tell you that he wants to say, someone will tell you he wants to go. Ultimately, I think it boils down to a bit of humming and hawing from both clubs coming to the end of the transfer window. And I think I'd be, look, honestly, I'd be very, very surprised if he stays beyond the end of this window because he's had the chance to join West Ham and evidently he wanted to stay. Now, evidently, he's open to a loan move. Now, that's something the club aren't going to entertain because ultimately, if they want to get on with the transfer plans that Eric Ten Hag has, they need to shift him on to be able to recoup some of the transfer fee paid to be able to alleviate that FFP that I'm talking about. So do you think it's likely, Brian, that before the end of this transfer window, that he does make that move? My fear more so, 
of Harry Maguire leaving before the, the window is are we going to have enough time to replace him? Because at the end of the day, he still is one of our four slash five centre half options. You've seen the, the situation left back at the moment with multiple injuries coming out of nowhere. We have to, if he goes, we have to bring someone in. It's as simple as that. We can't just accept one out and not bring anybody in at all. So I think if he if he does want to go or if he's deciding to leave, he should have he should be some way understanding of the fact of getting this done ASAP and give us a chance to get someone in the door after him. Not leave it till the transfer deadline day where we're stuck with no one coming back in and we're we're hoping to we're hoping Varan can stay fit, which is always a, a toss of the dice. So um, I think he's going to go. I do. Deep down, I think he's going to leave. I don't think he's silly enough to stay and sit on the bench and rot away his career and, and cost himself his England place. But I'd like it done sooner rather than later and give us a chance to get back in the market again. Wait, did, did, sorry. Did Brian say he thinks he's going to go? I do think he's yeah. going to go, yeah. The two of you think he's going to go? Yeah, 100%. I, have a, I'd, I have a strong inclination he's going to go. I'd be very, very surprised if he stays. You you obviously, you, you've heard something... No, I haven't, heard an, I haven't heard. I haven't heard anything. I, 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 I just don't see it. I think that the first time West Ham offered thirteen billion, it was agreed. United said, "Yeah, you can take him away." And then it was leaked by his his team that they never had a conversation with David Moyes. They never really had proper talks at West Ham, so he wasn't really, according to them. He wasn't even entertaining. It was now that's their side of the story, but it was quite clear from that acceptance from United that their decision was made. Um, it's a pretty decent Premier League side that have started the season well. You have a manager that has apparently told them, I'm going to make you captain. Unless it's tactics on his side, there was no interest there the last time around. So I, I think he's staying, um, personally. I think he might have been playing the game, sticking his head above the parapet and hoping maybe a bigger club came in for him. And might have just been playing a little bit of sneaky tactics in the background. I don't mm. think he's that much of a sausage to understand that he's not going to play for a massive club anymore and... He's going to sit in the bench United. Like, he's not an idiot. Surely be the God. But he's sure, going to have to come to the stage where he realises, I have to go. Surely from some of their social media activities since he's been a United player, like his people and his his close, um, immediate people, that you can't really trust them in terms of making wise decisions. But then surely at this stage as well, especially for the lack of game time he's had for so, so long, he has to be looking at his career at this point because ultimately yeah, he, stays he should be. He should be. You know, you know, and, and, and if he stays at the club beyond his transfer window, he's just hoping he gets an opportunity to get some game time because of injuries. And ultimately, look, that's what I suppose I was just going jumping at a minute ago. We, last season, we had Luke Shaw deputising coming in instead of a left back and playing a, yeah. a left centre half role. And he did so immensely. And ultimately, for me, if I'm a centre back and I'm Harry Maguire, you're seeing Luke Shaw being selected ahead of you in your position. That is the ultimate slap in the face for a guy who's captaining the club and who's an integral part of England. So, look, I understand where you're coming from, Dale. I would share Brian's side on this, that just, just solely from a career perspective, he surely has enough money in the bank that it's not that important. He has to be interested in playing football at this stage. Either way, if he doesn't move in the next... Is it four or five days or whatever it is till Friday? Um, he won't be playing. He won't be going to the Euros, and he knows that. I think there's no exactly. way he's going to the Euros. Then, then would it be fair to say that if he doesn't leave, is he literally staying for the wage? Because career-wise, it's suicide. Uh, yeah, if he well, does. What, stay, what, 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 what would be the counter argument? I'm happy at Manchester United. That's what they come out and say. They come out and say he's, he's, he was always saying he was staying. He's happy here. But as we're 
pointing to and alluding to. How can you be happy? How can a footballer who literally, as I just said, his international career is is on the line? Um, Southgate has, has publicly said it this summer that unless something changes there for his playing time, like I, okay, how can he select them? There's a number of young centre backs coming through at with England, you have the young lad at, at Chelsea, you have Mark Gay at, at Crystal Palace. There's people knocking on the door. And if you weigh it up at the end of this season, who's going to deserve a place in the flight for England? I don't think it's going to be Harry Maguire if he's just been fucking resting on the bench for United. Like he, he, surely he can't go from captain to fourth or fifth choice and be realistically and honestly happy. happy yeah. yeah, he can't. Yeah. Surely he has some personal pride in that situation. So, no, I, I can see him leaving. I just hope we've got a backup plan. To, to act on very, very quickly to bring someone in the door. I'll share that one because I'm going to draw back on Luke Shaw again. And obviously he had that opportunity to deputise, but he's now been sidelined for several weeks, possibly months, and it's expected it could go into the new year. I suppose as expected, the fan base is again divided on the best way to respond to that. Alvaro Fernandez, a name that many feel should be given an opportunity, while others are veering towards the likes of Rico Henry or a short-term replacement that happened to used to play for Brighton and now plays for Chelsea. It's something that the three of us have discussed off of recording. Where do you stand on this and what have you made of events in that? I'd be all for signing Couturel. I think he's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Mir, we're, we're in an injury crisis situation, right? We have a young fella, Alvaro Fernandez, who played quite well, I thought, a couple of times when he played in pre-season and that. When we signed him, there was a buzz about it. We staved off interest from Man City, Barcelona. Quite a lot of talk about this. This was a coup. This is Man United getting one over the rest, bringing in this really, really gifted left-back. Now we don't have a left-back, bar Alvaro Fernandez, and we're not going to play him. Nah, it's not for me. Sorry. He has to be given a chance. I wouldn't throw him, throw him into the frying pan against Arsenal. I'd leave that out there, who's probably going to get roasted. But the week after, give him a game against Brighton, give him a game against Burnley. It's, you have to look at it from the point of view of the rest of the academy. If the rest of the academy kids look at this, they see a massive hole at left-back. They see Alvaro Fernandez there, who's highly rated, and he doesn't get a sniff. And we go away and get some fella who's been an absolute numpty for Chelsea for 12 months, or we get heaven forbid Marcos Alonso who's passed it like sour milk we're not going to go in and buy that Rico Henry fella because we haven't got a pot to piss in at the moment I, I don't I don't it doesn't sit right with me he has to be given a chance simple as that he has to be given a chance now obviously you are front and centre with so many supporters who are backing Eric Ten Hag and the job that he's doing at the football club I want to ask you a question should Ten Hag go down the route of bringing in an alternative body whoever it is and Fernandez is seen as not necessarily surplus to requirements, but not getting that opportunity that a young player at the football club of his stature within the fan base, anyhow, would be recommending. What does that do to you in terms of your view of Eric Ten Hag, Brian? I'd find it very curious because if you look at it, a mere age profile, he's the very same age as our new multi, multi, multi-million signing striker, uh, Rasmus Hyland. They're the same age. I know Hyland has a bit of a bit of senior time behind him, but like, it's not like we're at a bad back. He, he's crippled and he's not killing Mbappe yet, so give him a break, right? We can't expect the world off. <laughs> he's another topic. We'll get to him. But come here. Alvaro Fernandez is highly rated. He's 20 years of age. He's not a 14 year old child. 
he should be well capable of coming in and giving it a go on the left-hand side. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You can shoot me and call me stupid. But I'm adamant this is how United should be operating. We've always been, we have always, through the years, since I've been a child and since I was born, we have trusted young players to come through and do a job. We always have. It's the, it's, it's the famous, in inverted commas, United way. The manager backs kids. We give them a chance. We promote from within. We're, we're, we have a, a, an ongoing record of academy players being involved in every single match day since 1822 or something. I mean, I can't see the downside of giving a fella a chance. If it doesn't work out, mm. let Dallow keep going. It's not like Malassie and Shaw are dead, by the way. They are coming back in a while. They're not, just not going to ever again be seen. So we have to bide our time for a while. I think I we're think... capable of doing it. Trust me, I think, I think with Fernandez, I would side with Brian. Definitely, like you have to give him a chance right now, really. And the other side of it too is, you could say you could ask, you can ask the question: Does he deserve his chance right now? Well, what more can he do? Because he's won the Jimmy Murphy Player of the Year award, right, at the club, which is a prestigious award for any young player to win. He went on loan to Preston and was voted their Fans Player of the Year um, last season, which again. Is showing that he was very well liked and very well rated there. And pre-season, as Brian said, he he performed well. I don't think he could have done any more. He definitely performed well and didn't look out of sorts. I just ask, if you got a player that has done that at the club and is knocking on the door when you've got an injury crisis in the position where there's no other left back, if he doesn't get his chance, at least his chance, doesn't matter if he doesn't take it, what does that tell other young players coming through. Now we've got, you mentioned their traditions, but we've also got a manager that's come from Ajax and it's almost what we expect. We expect to have maybe several years with Ten Hag bringing through young players. And this is a time where he doesn't really have any other choice. I think Dal, playing Dalo at left back is bold because he doesn't convince me on the right. And again, at the weekend, he showed, nah, not having it at all. If he's not getting in, let's not let's be let's face it. Wamba Saka's doing well on the right, but if Ten Hag had his way, he'd be in the market getting someone else. Dallo can't get ahead of him. But all of a sudden, he's starting ahead of Alvaro Fernandez. I'm just not having. It. I think you have to give the young fella a chance. I think it sets a dangerous precedent for the, for years to come. I've always been of the opinion that youth should be given an opportunity at Manchester United. I, I thought one of the two of you was going to quote the famous man and saying, "If you're good enough, you're old enough." Because yeah. ultimately, <laughs> yeah, like ultimately for me, I mean, it is everything that this football club embodies. Now, you, you both of you know, I, I followed the youth system and I have for many, many years. Alvaro Fernandez is a tremendous prospect and I am all for him getting an opportunity at the club. I don't want to see him loaned out. I want to see him get an opportunity at the club. It's not playing devil's advocate. It's just putting a very real scenario out there. And this is what I need to get across to you guys, as well as anybody who's listening who might not fully understand where I'm going with this. I would like him to get an opportunity at left back. But if we go in to the rest of the season after this transfer window and we have a situation where Luke Shaw is out until 2023, you have a position where Terrell Malassia comes back. We don't know when he's going to be back because we don't know the severity of his injury. So if he's not back for a while or if he's even coming back and it takes him a little bit of while to get his fitness together. We're left with a situation where we have Alvaro Fernandez on the left, we have Aaron Wan-Bissak on the right, and we have Dallo filling the void between the two of them. If an injury or suspension occurs 
Then we start pulling players out of central defence like Martinez and asking him to do his job at left back. That then leaves us weak at centre back. I do not think it is a bad thing to bring in a short term loan player to bolster the squad, to give us options, because ultimately over this five month period, it's not just the Premier League we're looking at. We're looking at domestic cup competitions. We're looking at the Champions League. And ultimately for me, the players being mentioned, they're not the most riveting. You're looking at Regalon, you're looking at Kukurea, Alonso. But I do think someone like Kukurea coming to the club on a short-term loan will offer an avenue whereby we can bolster the squad and we're not paper thin and worrying about injuries and suspensions. That's the only point that I would make. I think yeah. it's, a, it's a valid point, Sean, and I don't entirely disagree with you. I just, I'd like to think, even if we do bring in one of these names that we've been led to believe that are possibly coming to the club, I'd like to think they're coming in with a viewpoint of Fernandez still getting his chance because yeah. if he doesn't, Dale, Dale hit the nail on the head there. Ten Hag has come from Ajax. Ajax is historically a club built on developing its own, bringing through youth and, it's, and eventually, realistically, selling them off for profit. But we've signed a manager who we've all been led to believe trusts youth. We're a club who predominantly and truly years, maybe not so much recently, but now and again, but we're a club who promote from within and a club who, who champion our own academy and want to create our own legacies for our own players coming through. It's a, it is a, it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous ground we're in with Alvaro Fernandez. I'm not saying the man or the, the kid, I'm not saying he deserves as a God-given right to play for Man United or that he's, he's got this unbelievable Roberto Carlos talent and he should be the best left back of all time. I'm just saying I hope, I really hope that Tin Hag shows enough faith and trust in him to give me his chance to prove to the rest of the academy lads coming through that if you work hard enough and an opportunity arises, you will be given a chance because otherwise you'd have to ask, what's it all for? Totally understandable. And I suppose looking at it from an outside perspective and trying to just be as pragmatic as I can, you just have to look at Garnacho. You'll have to look at Kobe Maino. These guys have worked hard. They have proven that they've got it at a youth level and they have been given opportunities. So I would like to think this is going to carry on and the likes of Alvaro Fernandez will get that opportunity as well. We're speaking about the prospect of players joining the club. And obviously we had a few high profile acquisitions over the, the, the past couple of months. We've had Mason Mount, we've had the aforementioned Rasmus Hoyland, and we have the enigmatic Andre Onana. They've already arrived, as I said, very high profile acquisitions. And as expected, the vultures are ready and they're waiting to pounce on any misplaced pass or being chipped when you're outside your box. Brian, there's been good in what we've seen, but it's not all been roses, has it? Certainly not, no. It's been a bit. It's been a bit up and down, isn't it? Mason Mount, like I want to call call a spade a spade. If you asked me six months ago that I want United to sign Mason Mount, I would vehemently have said no. He's not a player I, I viewed that we needed, or a player I viewed was going the right direction for us. That's hands up being honest about it. I didn't, and and so many of my of my match going friends or my non match going friends, just United fans in general, so many of them have had the very same opinion. Like when we were linked with him first, they were gone. What? Why Why are we signing Mason Mount? Do we need him is the biggest question, which I'm still struggling with a small bit. Um, I believe there was an amazing article that you read at the time which really opened your eyes to the one Mason <laughs> Yeah, um, I can't remember who wrote that though, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the location it came from, but it was from, from some newsletter thing, from some, some fraud of a journalist. But um, No... 
I'm, I, look, as with any player that comes to the club, I'm always willing to back him and give him the chance, give him time. I'm not going to write Mason Mount off by any means or by any shade of imagination, but I just struggle to see struggle to see why we bought him or why we needed him because I find it when he's playing in the same side as Bruno, as we've seen in a couple, look, he's only played a handful of games, but I find it when he's playing with Bruno in the same team, it massively exposes Casemiro. And Casemiro is not a spring chicken. He's not getting any younger. I don't think... Casemiro has the um, Jesus don't, get, don't quote me wrong when I say I don't think he has the ability but I don't think he has the legs in him at, right now to be the sole sole um, Chubby Miro sorry Chubby Miro Chubby, Chubby Miro I don't think he has um, I don't think he just has the engine or the legs to cover the ground like he used to have on his own back there so like when Mount and Fernandes are together who I view as two almost similar players albeit Fernandes being the, the better of the two by a distance country mile actually um I don't see how it works. So I, I'm struggling to see how Ten Hag's going to deal with this. Now, obviously, Ten Hag's a more clever man than I am, so he obviously has a plan for this. I would have viewed Mount coming in as almost as a, as a backup option for Bruno or maybe for little tactical changes and different types of rotation options. I don't see what's happening with him at the moment, but he's got after getting a dirty injury, which is a killer for him at the start of his career with us. So let's see what happens to be determined um, Hoyland we haven't even seen him yet so you can't say much about him I really really hope this kid has a massive broad pair of shoulders for the pressure that's going to come on him because I'm glad you said shoulders <laughs> <sighs> shoulders I hope he's a pair of cojones in him too because he's under severe pressure coming into this side <laughs> the side has been devoid of a striker for years uh, hoping that a, a sulky Frenchman can turn up once every now and again without turning into shredded wheat but We'll see what happens with Hoyland. And Andrew Onana is going to give me more heartburn than five bottles of cider. Um, he's a, he looks to be a very capable goalkeeper. But Jesus, he's an enigmatic and he's a very erratic kind of a guy for my liking. I, I, I'm going to have to get used to him. I'm going to have to buy into the whole um, Barthez 2.0 style goalkeeping situation. But oh, he, he scares the shit out of me. I won't lie. He endured that, that moment in pre-season where a poor back pass, I think it was from Dallow, um, ultimately caught him out and he was chipped. Dale, how much of that do you think was going through his mind when he backpedaled against Forrest on Saturday? He, when he did it with Lindelof? Absolutely. I think that is playing back in his mind in a big, big way. I think the goalkeeper that we signed, I, I, I watched him in the past. He was a player I was very excited to see United sign. And I think he played well in his first two games. But that um, that performance at the weekend, there was two or three instances that jumped out at me saying there's something quite, quite not right. Um, whether it's a confidence thing, whether it's also, it could be a matter of him not having confidence in the players in front of him and different defenders. We obviously know he trusts Martinez, who I don't think has started the season um, as well as he played last season, to be honest. And I think there's a few things. Like we also have a team where we're, we're learning to play a completely different way with a goalkeeper that's going to play with high lines. But the biggest problem they had the weekend, that first goal, you know, the very least, he's got to be out there sweeping. I don't care if he comes out and he makes a tackle and, and the striker jumps over him. or There has to be an attempt made because for far too long, we complained, Sean, about having David De Gea absolutely rooted to his line. I don't know what happened on Anna at the weekend. Um, obviously, there was a good save at the end too, so it wasn't all critical. There was a great save at the end. I think he's, I think he's going to be a fantastic improvement on De Gea, but there's going to be teething problems from his end and from, you know, from our defence's end. 
you ask what happened to him, Dale. What happened is he ended up flat on the flat of his arse with the first goal, backtracking. But where That's was he before that? that? Because I, 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 he was, I couldn't he was see. in no man's land. That's where he was. He was in no man's land. He wasn't. He wasn't here or there. And then I think he panicked and went, "Shit, I've got to get back. Don't get chipped again." He backtracked. He made no attempt at closing off the angles or, or trying to make himself bigger by any means. And he just got done. He got sat in his arse. No, give the striker or give the, the forest lad credit. Did very, very well with his finish. And he did made, he made a bit of a dick one, Anna. But like you said, it's teething problems. It's, it's a whole new system. It's a keeper coming in who's not used to playing with the back four. A back four that's been up and down for the last while. It's going to take time. And look, I'm not... I'm not overly worried about any of it at the start. It's only three games in. There's no yeah. point any of us hitting the panic button. I mean, none of us are, but I'm not overly worried about any of it. I think over time it'll start to take shape and O'Neill will start to learn his, who his backs are and who he can trust and who he can't. Um, he can't trust Dello for a back pass. Jesus Christ, above he's shocking. Um, same with Hyland. I mean, Hyland's not, not going to come in. Maybe he will come in and set the world alight, but we have to give him chance. chance. Like He's only a kid. He's going to come in and he's going to need to feel himself into the team and get used to the league so I think we're all we're all kind of realistic enough to know that any of these players coming into this side especially a side that's far from the finished article and is still kind of being bandaged together by Den Hag at times give them time they'll be fine it, it, it's fairly obvious right it's fairly obvious as was from the offset that any player that comes to this football club is expected to hit the ground running and then some when you're looking at Onana and you're looking at the back line for one you made mention to Martin as not starting the season very strong I don't think any of our defences started the season very yeah. strong. Yeah. Wan Bissaka has probably been the best of a bad bunch, and he's he should Fran's, improve. Fran, Fran's been okay. He's been okay, but like okay isn't injured, good yeah. enough. Pardon? And he's injured again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jesus, he's made out of cotton wool. But but there's a big thing to remember here. Onana has come from an Inter Milan side to play three at the back. All right, they played three centre backs with two marauding full backs. And he has built a relationship with those with that back five. He knew exactly what way they moved. He knew what they ate for breakfast. He knew everything about them. They knew the way that he acted. And I think when you look at that Champions League final against City, you saw a player playing at the peak of his powers because he was confident with who was around him. I think right now when he's looking at his back line, it's not a lack of confidence. It's a group of guys that know each other about two months, if that. And they're still trying to come to terms with absolutely everything. They're still trying to learn everything. They're still trying to, as you said, trying to pick up on the system that the manager is trying to deploy to the whole squad while building with the frustration that, remember, like, and I said this beforehand, Dale, before that Forest game, United were second only to Brighton with the amount of chances created in the Premier League as a whole. And the amount of frustration that's going to fester its way back from attack to goalkeeper that these chances have been created and created and created and none of them have been put away. It's just going to build a sense of imbalance within the squad and a sense of frustration. And like you said, Brian, I think give them weeks to just come together and get more confident in each other's skin and we'll see a totally different dynamic there. But there's a number of reasons too. You mentioned those chances that before the Forest game, we had the second most chance in the league. There's a number of reasons for that. These could be small and some people may suggest I'm talking bollocks. But no, it's small yeah. little... Notice small little things in a game when he collects a cross, right? It's a quick, it's quickly delivered out to the fullback. It's none of this yeah. bollocks of of sitting sitting in the box with the ball like the hair used to do. It's done quickly, and we're getting more attacks from little things like that. His passing distribution is very good, but when the teething mistakes start to iron out, I do think we'll be very happy with this goalkeeper. But 
patience is needed. And let's not forget, we were all very patient when De Gea arrived at the club. And it took him a while to bulk up and to become the best goalkeeper in the world, which he became. It didn't happen instantly. You know, it took a while for that to happen. And it did happen eventually. But I think we have something in Onana. One of the things I think will help Onana, actually, is if Tin Hag sacks off this inverted fullback nonsense because it's a sister style I don't like at all. I don't think it suits us. I don't think we have the players to do it. I think it's been shown up already. And I think it it will hinder him distribution-wise and, and probably confidence-wise seeing the left and right side get exposed so much. I mean, when you get Shaw and Wan-Bissaka coming inside to the middle of the field, which isn't really their game. I mean, Shaw, is a, as, as you said a minute ago, a marauding left-back. Shaw is, case in point, down the line hard, attack, the, attack their side of the box, piping across, potentially even get into the box himself for a shot. Wan-Bissaka, for all his failings going forward, still is a good lad to get down the wing and try and get a ball in and, and link up on the right hand side. They're not centre midfielders and this inverted fullback system that he's tried at the start. I don't like it at all at all. I really, really hope he get, I hope he gets rid of it. With that, okay. It was something I was going to touch on because for anyone listening, they'd be surprised that this is actually a football team because we haven't even really discussed football all that much. Two wins at home against Wolves and Brentford, away defeat against Spurs, sandwich in the middle. Now, Look, admittedly, it's been tough watching. Although we had about 80 minutes against Forrest at Old Trafford where we completely dominated the ball and acted in a manner that is probably befitting of this team. Now, there has been difficult moments. You've mentioned the inverted fullbacks. I think there's a little bit more to it, Brian, because I don't think at any one time both fullbacks are inverting at the same time. It's working in a passage play whereby if one of them inverts, the other is holding a wide position and that's allowing for overlaps and it's allowing for transitions to the other side. One thing that I really, really noted against Forrest the last day was Dallo almost took the position of a number 10 and he came in so, so centrally and he was acting as a fulcrum, very, very cl- close to what Luke Shaw does. Because when Luke Shaw is playing, Shaw has come very, very central and his passing and his ability to pick out a true ball is, I think it's it's massively underestimated. Yes, he's a fantastic marauding fullback and I think probably one of the best strengths that we have within this entire team is the relationship that Marcus Rashford and Luke Shaw have together because when the two of them are going and the two of them are marauding down that wing they're almost impossible to stop but when you consider the three games as a whole where is it going wrong do you think I mean I know that there's there's fundamental reasons that you could pick left right center if you could draw your finger at one thing are you looking at Casemiro and you're looking at how he's been exploited or is there something else I'm gonna let Brian go first but I do want to answer this one um, I don't like how exposed it leaves our fullback area. I think that we're getting caught. When, I think when the attack breaks down, if Shaw's after pulling in centrally and he gets caught, or we turn over the ball, I just find it's leaving a big massive gap for the opposition to exploit down that wing. And I think it's, we're getting caught down that side. And I don't think Rashford is going to do, maybe unfairly on Marcus Rashford, I don't think Mark Rashford is going to do enough of a job to cover Luke Shaw's arse if Luke Shaw gets caught out of position. Don't think that's unfair. For Anthony, for all for all his effort and he puts in, he look, he does burst his arse up and down the line. But again, Wan-Bissaka gets exposed, getting caught centrally, and Varane's on the right inside. Varane isn't the fastest player he was anymore. Like his legs are starting to slow down a small. But again, I think it exposes his weaknesses in his pace. So, couple it with Casemiro. I think I actually think it's trying to assist Casemiro a small bit when they come in from the left and right side, trying to pack up that midfield a bit when they get when they move forward and, and give a bit more. Um, a bit more presence in the, in the centre of midfield, but I just don't like the way it exposes left and right, and I don't like the fact it puts Martinez at a loss on the left-hand side, 
trying to cover, and it puts Varane at a loss, trying to cover the right-hand side when their corresponding left and right-backs get cut out. That's where I see it failing. But Plus, I just don't like the aesthetics of it. I think we're better off if we stick to the wit. I think when it comes to what we've seen this season, and even in pre-season, Kobe Manu kind of dropped into the fence when we had the ball. And I think someone like him maybe played a right-back is something we may have seen at the start of the season. And it could have worked out better. You mentioned supporting Casemiro. Um, again, he wouldn't he be perfect for that kind of role? And Ten Hag has spoken about how much he rates him. He said that when he gets back from injury, he's going to find game time for him. And when he said that, I was thinking initially, looking at the midfield, obviously he's a midfielder, who do you take out? He's not taking out Bruno. He's not taking out Mason Mount. He's just spent 60 million on him. And he's not taking out Casemiro. So I think that was the plan. And I think if we do go out and sign a defensive midfielder, I'm sure he's going to be capable of playing on the right because maybe it'd be Wan-Bissaka to step out and we might see this trial because I think that was the plan this season. Um, I think he was planning to use Kobe. I, I'll agree with you. I think that injury against uh, Real Madrid was just the worst moment that could have possibly happened because he was right on the precipice of breaking through and really, really setting his claim like Garnacho has done over the last 12 months. When I look at it all, and I consider everything that's happened over these three games. There's so much more frustration than there is positive. It's very frustrating to watch. But I do think when you look at what I said about the amount of chances that are being created and that they're not being put away, obviously goals change games. But we've had so many opportunities in all three matches where there's real credible opportunities to get ahead in the game in the opening five, ten minutes. And we've really just been lacking someone in there to be able to put the ball away. That's why I'm really, really looking forward to like Erasmus Hoyland coming through because that's what he's been brought in for. He's very, very good as a fox in the box as well as the physicality they have. But it's more so just to have somebody who is in there and who is able to put away an opportunity. And I know if my aunt had balled, she'd be my uncle. But any of those opportunities are put away early in any of those three games. Take Wolves, for example. We score early against Wolves like we should have. Wolves are forced to move forward. They can't sit in this low block and ultimately we're not caught in that position. But when you look at how everything has been going, we're now looking ahead to a titanic clash with Arsenal on Sunday. It's presenting an opportunity to upset the naysayers, build upon another fight back win on Saturday. But given the way the results have played out thus far, as well as performances, How's your confidence heading into this deal? Well, it's good that Arsenal dropped points the other day. I think if Arsenal won this, I'd be um, expecting the worst because can't forget how shit we performed since the start of the season. You know, I know that we were, t- we're happy about how the, com- how the comeback went against Forest, but against Wolves was atrocious. It was probably 35 minutes against Spurs that it was all right. But uh, again, didn't get the result we wanted and performance was under par. Against Forest, first four minutes, maybe 15 minutes of complete madness. Um, looked like a team that's going to collapse and then we finally got, got grips on it. It's just quite not there, Sean, to say that I'm anyway optimistic going into kind of any game at the moment because there's a lot of improvement to, to come or that needs to happen. Um, we're, we're just not, we don't look right either. I think, I don't know who you can point the finger on. In, term, in terms of preparation, could you point it to the players? Can you point it to the staff? Can you Maybe it's not really for us to say, can you point it to the manager? But those players, from what I've seen in the first three games, I don't think they look the best prepared. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope they go out and prove me wrong against Arsenal like they did against Liverpool last season after a bad start. I was going to say it. You know? yeah. I, ho- I hope that's what happens. But from my maybe ill-advised judgment... I'm going to say that they look quite 
unprepared. Uh, I don't like the term that lots of people on Twitter are using that they're undercooked. Um, I fucking hate that term, but underprepared. Brian, would you take a draw? I suppose, look, on the grand scheme of things, with how we have started the season, we don't look to be at our best. We don't look to be so, as cohesive as we'd like to be at the moment. Um, potentially, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming Hyland isn't going to be starting against Arsenal. I doubt he is anyway. Would I take a draw against an Arsenal side who are tipped to be challenging for the title? Probably at the moment, yeah. I don't like to say that, but I probably would. Um, I just don't think we're, we're quite at the races yet. I think we need a bit more time. The international break is probably coming at a good time for us at the moment. It gives us a chance to regroup and try and, and, and readjust the side again. We have an injury crisis at left back. Still don't really have a striker. Midfield is kind of up and down at the moment. We're just not quite at the races, not so I don't think we're. Though I don't think we're. I don't think we're expect. I don't think we're expected to beat Arsenal. Would that be a fair thing to say? I don't think we're expected to beat them. No, I think but it's probably a fair thing to say. Yeah. Can can I just raise one quick point that last season we all agreed that our waveform was terrible, and it was something we wanted to address against these top six sides this season. And I agree. Ultimately, I take a point the weekend, but we fucking need to start seeing progress. After a bad start to the season, when are we going to start going to these grounds? I know you talked about Arsenal Titan race last season, but when are we going to start going to these grounds and saying, yeah, fucking expect United to win? I'm not saying, I obviously don't expect us to win this weekend, but I'm asking, when does that time come? I know it's only a year down the line, but we did see a lot of progress last season. I I take a point on the basis that the performance is a lot better than what it's been. Like I take what we call a hard-earned fight against a good side. I wouldn't take going out su- uh, Sunday. Yeah, I wouldn't take going out Sunday getting rolled over and getting absolutely fucking trounced because it'd be a, a massive kick in the balls for us going forward and it sets us back in our haunches again. We definitely need to see some improvement big time on, on the performance. We need to see some improvement on the cohesion between the players that are on the pitch. We need to see some improvement on energy, ideas. I think we just need to see a, a fucking improvement all over the pitch really from everyone but if we go up and get battered Sunday, it's going to set us back a mile. It really is. It's a it's a two win, two loss start to the season. It's up and down, higgly piggly shit again. We're after coming off a season where we kind of all said we'd take top four and a trophy. This season, ideally, we should be progressing past that. Our our expectations should obviously raise a little level again. We spent a few pound again. I think we we need we need a good performance. I'll take a point, but we need a good performance. That's that's my, my aim for Sunday. If we can do them, obviously it'll be fantastic and it'll give us a real boost. But being realistic, yeah, at the moment, the way we're playing, and we haven't really started very well, I think a point at Arsenal away isn't a bad point at this stage. You look at these clashes against these big sides, our rivals, and I know media makes out an awful lot about United's away record against their rival sides and a lack of victories last season away from home. But if you can go through a season and you can take on, we'll say, the top two, three teams that you're going to be, we'll say, battling for that top four and a title for against. If you can go to their ground and you can, at the very least, get a draw and win in your own ground, then you have exceeded your expectations against those people and you have defeated the amount of points that they're bringing in against you. For me, I find it very difficult because I go into every single game optimistic. I don't know why I always have. We could be, after losing 5 6 nil the week before, and I'll still go into the next game optimistic. I'm not going into this game thinking it's going to be an easy game. And 
I'd like to say we're going to win, but it's very difficult to pull that out from what we've seen over the last three games. Would I take a draw at this moment in time? I probably wouldn't because I'd gamble it and I'd see just how much cojones these lads have. Because you know there's enough of talent, there's enough of ability in that squad to go there and to get a result. Because it doesn't matter how good this Arsenal side is, they're still Arsenal. And Arsenal can be rattled. And if United go there, hit them early, continue on with the chance creation that we've had and can score early, we have an opportunity to rattle them. Do you know, it's funny, Sean. You're very similar to myself in a way that it's Monday. And Monday I'm being pragmatic and realistic and balanced and level-headed. On the flight over Sunday morning, I start thinking we can win the Champions League and come <laughs> kick off and I'm going to win 5 nil. So, yeah. Look, it's Monday. It's a, it's a couple of days before the game. I'm being as realistic and pragmatic as I can. Come Sunday, you ask me when I'm in London Sunday, are we going to win? I will say 100% absolutely yes. We're going to do these fuckers training. So, nail the head. And that is a fitting way. And just like that, another episode is in the record books as we get ready for that trip to North London and whatever antics Brian gets up to. We'll be back next week and we will digest the game and whatever else rears its head. Dale, people want to get in touch with you. How can they do so? You can follow me at Twitter at O'Donnell Dale. And of course, you can get in touch via Stretty News by emailing me at dale at strettynews.com. And Brian, if people want to find out what next ludicrous task you've got yourself up to in London after that, how can they get in touch with you? I'd advise them not to, but if they do really have to, and they're sadists at Day Tripping Red on X, it's no longer Twitter, Dale, sorry. Well, that's correct, I, actually, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not um, following the must card. And you want to get in touch with me, you can do so at Sean Connolly 85 S-H-A-U-N. As always, been a pleasure spending time with these two gentlemen. On to Sunday, three points in London, up the Reds. Up the Reds. Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.